are listening to another edition of It's Preaching Time. This broadcast spotlights Bible preaching that will stir your heart. And now for today's Bible message. Christ shall be magnified by Kenny Baldwin. Philippians chapter number one. Thank you for all of the music today. Challenge my heart. And encourage us not to quit, amen, in these last days. Philippians chapter number one, and we'll get our thought for this year from this passage. Verse number 12. I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Well, the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but with all boldness as always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body whether it be by life or by death for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain let the church say amen father we ask that you add thy blessing to the reading of your word, cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing, and use the word of God to speak to our hearts. Bind the devil, keep him from interfering in the service today, and may we leave here not just stirred, but changed, committed to doing more for you in these last days. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing It was a glorious day when Paul heard the Macedonian cry and entered that region of the world. We understand historically that it was the first time that the gospel had reached European soil. If that's not good news for you, then you must not know your history because there from Europe it came to America. And aren't you glad that the gospel came to your house? Amen. That the gospel came to your life. And it was each one reaching one and so far down the line that it came to you And it came to me. Paul ended up hearing this call by really ended up getting stalled in a place he didn't plan on being in. He was headed out on a missionary journey with an itinerary set before him. And he headed out to go and it couldn't go. And he headed out to go to the next place and the Holy Spirit said no. And while he tarried at a place, God gave him the Macedonian call. One preacher said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, but the stops are too. 
And sometimes God has you stalled somewhere and you're wondering, why can't I go where I want to go? Because God wants you to go somewhere else. And so Paul is there and waiting. He hears the Macedonian call and he goes there. And immediately when he enters this region of Philippi, uh, we know there are some converts that are met there. Remember Lydia? She was the seller of purple. And she sold this clothing, sold this purple, if you would. She got saved and eventually ended up opening her house where they could have church. And then there was that damsel in distress. She sold her body and used her life to uh, allow men to make gain off of her. And one day she met somebody that was so much greater than all those men that she had met before. She met Jesus. Somebody say amen. And the moment she met Jesus, she looked at those masters and said, no more gain for me. No more making revenue off of me. I've met somebody greater than all of you. And they didn't like it. They grabbed Paul and his contingency and threw him in jail. Because they didn't like the fact that people's lives were being changed. You know the story at midnight. <laughs> when it's darkest. Instead of singing the blues, they sang praises to God. Instead of talking about how bad they had it, they started praying to God. And I love that phrase in Acts 16, and the prisoners heard them. Be careful how you act when you're going through a trial. Somebody's listening. Amen. Somebody's listening and the prisoners heard them and all of a sudden their praise got a hold of God and God sent an earthquake down and, and the prison bars were shaken open and their shackles fell off their feet and, and God set them free and the jailer thinking that they had all escaped took his sword ready to kill himself and Paul said do thyself no harm. We're all here and the jailer seeing the moving of God in such a special way asked this question. What must I do to be saved? And Paul didn't say get baptized, join the church, speak in an unknown tongue. Let me slap you upside the head. He said this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That was the right answer in Acts 16 and it's the right answer today. What shall you do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And so God began to use Paul to start a church in that area. And God planted a church in that area. And 10 years later, he's going to write a letter back to this same church. He's in prison. Who wants to be in prison? That's where Paul is. He's done nothing wrong. He's done what was right. And he got locked up for it. The church at Philippi recognized his need while he was in prison and sent a gift to him to support him. Carrying that gift was a man by the name of Epaphroditus. He went to where Paul was in prison in Rome and visited with him. Scripture even tells us that while he was there, he got really sick. But he went for the purpose to deliver that gift to Paul. Later on in this letter, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, no other church gave to me but you. They were special to him. They communicated, and he clarifies, as concerning giving and receiving. You cared for me when nobody did. How many of you remember the people that were there for you when nobody was? Paul said, Philippi, you're it. Epaphroditus, my friend. Epaphroditus has recovered now, and he's getting ready to head back to Philippi. He came bringing a gift, and he's going to leave carrying a letter. He's going to take it back to the church at Philippi. It is an intimate letter from the church planner to the church people. You can very clearly see the love that he had for these folks. He made this statement, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Who can you say that about? Every time you come to my mind, you make me thank God. Now how many of you have some people that come to your mind, but you don't thank God when they show up? <clears throat> Paul said, every time I think about you, I thank God for you. He wrote this letter to them to encourage them. He wrote this letter to them to challenge them. It seems like they should have been encouraging him because he was in prison. And yet, in prison, he was encouraging them. We preached our way through this book a couple years ago, verse by verse. 
and establish that the theme of Philippians is joy. Do you know that God wants you to have joy? I know some people think that God's up in heaven. He's got a voodoo doll that looks like you. And he's sticking you with a pin every single day. And that's why you're hurting because God is so mean and God is so strict and, and God is so hard. And he made the Bible so narrow that you can never complete it. And so you're just down here miserable until one day the trumpet sounds. You'll finally get out of here and you'll finally experience joy. By the way, when we get to heaven, joy is going to be so great that we can't even describe it. But I'm here to tell you that while I'm here, God wants me to have joy. Unspeakable, full of glory. Paul is demonstrating the spiritual gift of joy in the most unlikely scenario. As he challenges them in Philippians chapter 1, he says something that jumped off the page to me and I wanted to jump off the page to you as a 2020 vision. Last week we were in Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah saw Jesus high lifted up. And when he saw Jesus, he began to see himself. The more I look at God, the more I look at me. The better I think of God, the less I think of myself. He was committed to surrender. Here am I, send me. I want you to notice Paul. From a prison cell, unknowing what will happen. Is he going to get out? Is he going to live? We understand he would eventually be released. This is not the same imprisonment that he wrote to Timothy from in 2 Timothy where he eventually was beheaded and died. This time he's in Rome and he's going to get out. And yet, nonetheless, he writes to them and he challenges them about joy. How could Paul maintain the right perspective in a most unfavorable circumstance? I want to tell you a motto that he claimed in verse number 20, and I want you to claim it this year. And it's amazing that our theme from verse from 20, theme for 2020 comes from verse 20. Amen. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, and here's what I want you to get. So now also, and here are the next few words, Christ shall be magnified. You say, Pastor, there's nothing deep about that. Well, you tell me how good you did at it last year. Christ shall be magnified. Let's define the word magnified. To make great. That'd be a good place to say amen. <clears throat> to extol. Here, here's my favorite one. To celebrate in praise. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, Christ shall be magnified. He shall be made great. He shall be extolled or uplifted. Watch this now. He shall be celebrated in praise. Please notice the statements in the word of God. So now also, it was almost as if Paul was saying, when I preached my greatest sermons, Christ was magnified. When I had my best days, Christ was magnified. When the things in my life were going as good as they've ever gone, Christ was magnified. When I was receiving the greatest blessings I've ever received, Christ was magnified. When I was on the mountaintop rejoicing in God's deliverance, Christ was magnified. But I'm not on the mountaintop. I'm not in the middle of the greatest blessing. Things aren't going as well as they ever have. I'm in a prison cell. I'm not in my favorite place. I didn't pick being here. I didn't dream about being here. I don't want to be here. 
here, but I'm here. I can't control that, but here's what I can control. Regardless of where I am, what I'm dealing with, what I'm facing, I've made up my mind that Jesus who died was buried and rose again, who shed his rich, red, precious, pure blood for my sin. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. I've made up my mind. He's going to be lifted up. He's going to be made great. He's going to be celebrated in praise. That's my prayer in 2020. Not about me, not about you, but all about Jesus. Christ shall be magnified. It's where we're going to have to learn to be because we are so self-centered. If we're not getting what we want, God ain't going to get what he wants. And if I can't get my wish list and God can't get his command list, I'm here to tell you somebody's got to make up your mind. If you wake up tomorrow morning and you lose your job, Christ shall be magnified. Somebody's got to wake up to decide today, today if you find out at your next, doctor, next doctor's appointment that you've got cancer all through your body, Christ shall be magnified. Somebody's got to find out if your child walks away from God and becomes a prodigal in 2020, Christ shall be magnified. If money gets funny and your friends get few and, and some unforeseen circumstances show up in your life, you got to make up your mind that when big things happen, it should make God smaller on my job and in my home and in my family and in my child. I want Christ to be magnified. Follow me through this passage, would you? The 2020 vision is that Christ shall be magnified. How, how could Paul maintain this thought process in his life? Let's follow it and let's see if we can identify with Paul and imitate him if we could. Number one, a positive mentality. I said a positive mentality. What do you mean? I'm in jail, but I'm not going to make a pity party out of it. Is anybody listening? He said, I'm in prison, but I'm not going to talk about everything that's bad in my life. Now, look at Paul. I, I, I would have you to understand. Mm. You, you know what you need to do in 2020? You need to tell some people when you're going through bad things in your life that even though bad things are happening, there's some things they need to understand. Here it is, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the God. Listen to what Paul is saying with a positive mentality. That God can use bad things in my life to bring about better things in my life. The things that have happened to me. I'm facing a struggling experience. I'm in prison. But this struggling experience is going to produce a spreading endeavor to the furtherance of the gospel. Could it be possible that your trial is God's channel to tell more people about Jesus? He said the gospel is going to be spread. Notice the sovereign exposure. Many brethren, listen, so that my bonds, verse 13, in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. He said, watch this now. Because I've been locked up more people are hearing about Jesus and there's a strengthening effect he said and many of the brethren verse 14 waxing confident by my bonds and much more bold to speak the word without fear God is using my trial to strengthen somebody's faith you know you you uh you're going to have to determine in 2020 not to be so negative. 
I made up my mind a long time ago. I was not going to be a negative person. I'd like, to, I'd like to place an addendum on that. Not only am I not going to be negative, I am not going to be controlled by negative people. The last thing you need when you're going through something is someone to remind you how bad it is. You got to be careful who you tell you have a problem to. Because the person you tell you have a problem will tell you more about your problem that you didn't even know. I remember when we had a, uh, one of our children, Kevin was born prematurely. And uh, he was in the hospital for, for 20 some days and 26 days. And eventually he uh, got to where he got out of the hospital and he came home with the monitor and you're watching all these things. And, and finally he's out and being cleared to travel and we're on the road traveling, uh, preaching and and Bethany's got the baby in the hand, and, and somebody comes through the line, and she says, oh, what, it's a little precious baby. And I say, yes, he's born prematurely, 26 days in the hospital, out the hospital, cleared, he's doing well. She said, yeah, we had a, the baby in our family that was born prematurely, released from the hospital, and after he got released from the hospital, he died. And I thought, when God was handing out tact, you must have been absent that day. No, no, listen to me. People like her are everywhere. Amen. Some of you are in here. I've met you. I've had conversations with you. I have to pick which conversations I want to have. You're a downer about everything. Negative. Yeah, just negative. Oh, that's just terrible. It's the worst thing that ever happened. Listen to me. I'm telling you, if you're going to go somewhere in, in 2020 and Christ's going to be magnified, you're going to have to know who those people are and limit your uh, fellowship with them. Amen. You, you can't have somebody telling you how bad you are all the time and how wrong you are all the time and how messed up you are all the time and how crazy you are all the time. You're the child of God. Trials will come, but you've got to stay positive. I may be going through a bad season in my life, but my bad season is a way for somebody else to have a good season. I may be in the hospital, but there's a nurse that's going to hear about Jesus. I may be broke, but there's somebody that's going to know that faith is real. I may be going through a valley, but somebody's going to find out God is good. Put the Kleenexes down. Get the pity party over with and determine it may be bad for you, but God is still God. You have to stay positive. And I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those negative people. What is the name? Something Downer. What's the first name? Debbie Downer. Debbie Downer. Mm. We can't just make it women, right? Debbie Downer and Dexter Downer. You should see your face in church sometime. Even when I don't feel he's not work, he's still working. Even when I don't see he's still working. Never stop. I want to sing to you. Even when he's blessing, you're frowning. Even when he is showering, you're frowning. You never stop. You never stop. You never stop frowning. Let me tell you something. God is a good God. You don't have to let your outlook determine your outcome. 
You're trying your hardest to live for God and somebody just singing negativity to you. Put them on mute. You live for God. A positive mentality. Number two, a purposeful mindset. Notice what he said, verse 15. Christ is being preached. There's gospel preaching going on. Verse 15, some preach Christ. Some with strife, some with goodwill, some with contention, some adding affliction. Some, some are preaching about Jesus because they love Jesus. Some are preaching about Jesus with the wrong motive. Gospel preaching. And by the way, gospel preaching takes place for different reasons. Some people preach for glory. I wish I could tell you every church you go into that man loves God. I wish I could tell you every person with red before his name or pastor before his name or, or some title before his name really loves the Lord. I think we got more shysters than we ever had in the pulpit. Some of them are preaching for money. Some of them are preaching for women. Some of them are preaching because they, 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 they have nothing else to do. But Paul said, regardless of what their reasoning is, he said, I'm talking about the results. Whether they've got a bad motive, I'm not going to worry about that. If they're preaching about Jesus, folks can get saved. It's not my job to fix them. They have different reasons. But there's a definite result. So he said, I'm a glad person. I rejoice. Listen, if you're going to Maintain your purpose as a mindset in 2020. You've got to know what to get happy about. And what to get mad about. I'm telling you, unless you tell yourself, I'm not going to get mad about nonsense. And I am going to get glad about what God is doing. Your emotions are going to always be mismatched. He said, I'm rejoicing that Jesus is being preached. How about you? Everywhere in the world, people need to hear about Jesus. I'm glad that Jesus is being preached. Well, some of them out there passing out tracks live for the devil. Thank God that the track ain't the devil. I don't come to church because there's hypocrites there. There's hypocrites in the club. Didn't stop you from going there. Where are you going to go where there aren't fake people? Fake people are everywhere and sometimes you're fake and don't even know it. But we're not here for people. We're here for Jesus. I didn't come this morning to see you. I'm glad you're here. You didn't come to see me. You ought to be glad I'm here. I came to see Jesus. He shall be magnified. Number one, positive mentality. Number two, purposeful mindset. Number three, I'm moving. A persuaded motivation. And by the way, he said, verse number 19, I didn't give you this gospel preaching, this glad person, that last point, this, this guaranteed persuasion. I know this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. He said, through your prayer, through the saint's prayer, and through the spirit's power. He said, I'm in jail, but I ain't going to stay in jail. Can I tell you something? Getting your mind off of you and getting your mind on other people will give you a guaranteed persuasion that this too shall pass. Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Pastor, I don't like where I am. You ain't going to be there forever. Get joy not from where you are, but from where you know God is taking you. Now notice the persuaded motivation. 
Sorry, I lost part of my Bible. Let me just hold it. Somebody said, if your Bible's falling apart, maybe you're not. Some of you got your Bible too pretty. (laughs) Notice what he said. He said, according to my earnest expectation and my hope. Notice he had a compelling anticipation. Do you have any expectation of God? According to my earnest expectation, I have a compelling anticipation. You know how I'm going to live in 2020? I'm going to expect God to do something. Come on. Listen, you ought to anticipate God doing something. I say you ought to anticipate God doing something. Yeah, but I don't know if he's going to do it. Yeah, but you've read his track record, haven't you? Haven't you read the Bible? When when you ever found somebody that had their back against the wall and God didn't show up? I mean, just start in Genesis and go all the way to Revelation and find me one book where God didn't come through. Look at them Jews standing in front of the Red Sea. God showed up. Amen. Look at them in the wilderness where there was nothing to eat and drink. God sent a man and God gave them water from the rock. Ask Elijah if God didn't show up on Mount Carmel. Ask Naaman if God didn't show up in the Jordan River. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if that fourth man named Jesus didn't show up in the fiery furnace. Ask Daniel if God didn't shut the bowels of the lion. Ask David if God didn't show up facing that nine and a half foot tall giant. You ask me somebody if God didn't show up. And if you take a break from your trials and recall your own life, you'd remember plenty of times when it wasn't a way and you didn't think it could happen and nobody was there. God showed up. That ought to fuel your anticipation of God. I expect him. I expect him. He says, I have a compelling anticipation. Notice if you would, he said, I also have a confident approach. And nothing, I shall be ashamed. Listen to me, please. Jesus will not be magnified in your life in 2020 if you keep living ashamed. Nobody ought to make you feel embarrassed for living for God. Nobody. You ought not feel bad about obeying God. You ought not feel bad about following his leadership. You ought not feel bad about what you're convinced about. Nobody should make you feel bad about what you believe. If you got it from God, don't let them make you feel embarrassed. Why was was Paul tempted to be ashamed? Because doing right got him in jail. And the moment you're living for God and it gets you in trouble, you're going to be tempted to be ashamed. Nobody's ashamed giving someone a gospel track when that person gets saved. You're ashamed when that person slams the door. Nobody's ashamed when you're in church and you, you say, I gave my life to the Lord and everybody applauds. You're ashamed when you go home and call your family members and they say, what's wrong with you? See, see, see your trials become a gauge for whether or not you're confident in your walk with God. Please listen, folks. You can't be confident based on how people react. You have to be confident based on who told you to do it. 
Now, if you got your instruction from the devil, you ought to be ashamed. If you're living in the flesh, you ought to be ashamed. You're sitting in church this morning in the house of God and you were somewhere last night you shouldn't have been. You ought to be ashamed, but you ought not be ashamed tomorrow if you're the only one that reads your Bible on your job. You ought not be ashamed if you're the only one in your family that doesn't cuss. You ought not be ashamed if you pass on office parties because you're not going to drink. You ought not be ashamed if you go to that public school and you tell them, I'm a virgin and I believe in purity. You ought not be ashamed if you tie 52 weeks out of the year and sometimes you don't know where your money's coming from. I'm here to tell you, regardless of who you are and what you face, when you obey God, don't be ashamed. Courageous attitude. The courageous attitude. With all boldness. With all boldness. I'm going to do what I do with boldness. Uh-huh. Somebody's so not ashamed they left their phone on. Christ shall be magnified. Notice the last statement. Whether it be by life or death. I have a content acceptance. Watch this now. God's going to get the glory out of my life no matter what happens. I'm content in my acceptance. If, 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 if Philippians is my last letter and Rome is my last stop, I'm okay. But if I get out of here and I live, regardless of what happens to me, I promise you, Jesus is going to be celebrated in praise. And then I close with this last point. A positive mentality, a purposeful mindset, a persuaded motivation. And the last one is what I call proper measurement. Um, How many of you like what you like prepared with proper measurements? How many of you have faced the wrath of someone because you prepared something that that individual liked with the wrong measurements? I mean, there's a difference between a teaspoon and a tablespoon. Huh? Uh, 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 There's a difference between a cup and a pint. Is anybody listening? There's a difference between regular and heaping. Huh? See, 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 if you don't measure right, it ain't going to come out right. Paul is going to illustrate in verse number 21 that he measured right. You listening? There were two measurements that Paul listed in verse 21, and he measured them both accurately. Number one is the measurement of life. And number two is the measurement of death. Listen to this great verse in the Bible. For to me to live is Christ. Here's how Paul measured it. Paul said, I measure life the same as Christ. Watch this now. Here's what Paul said. For me, living is Jesus. Living is Jesus. 
Some of you in the building are going, I don't know why things don't ever come out right. I'll tell you why. You got bad measurements. See, see, you measure life to being what you want. You measure life to being fun. You measure life to being money. You measure life to being fame. You measure life to being popularity. You measure life to being social advancement. You measure life to being a mass education. And none of the things that I mentioned are bad. But when they rise to the level of being measured at equating with life, you've got bad measurements. And no wonder the cake don't taste good. You measured it with the wrong stuff. For to me, this has got to be up at the top with one of the most commonly misquoted verses in the Bible. I think they even had a song called, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. It's a beautiful sounding song. The problem is you left out the two letter word too. For to me, you can't quote it unless you mean it. Paul didn't say for me to live as Christ. He said for to me. This was a personal equation he had made. He and Jesus had come to the place in his life where Jesus and life were the same. Here's what Paul was saying. If, if, if I wake up tomorrow morning with oxygen in my lungs, if the sun still rises, if he leaves me on planet earth tomorrow, every single day living is Jesus. It ain't about me. It ain't about what I want. My life and Jesus are the same thing. And to die is gain. Not only a personal equation, but a prospective embrace. (laughs) Dying is gain. (laughs) Do you mean tell me that Paul thought he was going to make out good if he died? You better believe it. By the way, he's going to spend the next several verses and I'm not going to get into them. But he talks about a a struggle inside of him. And the battle was between two extremes, far better or more needful. And he said to go with Jesus in heaven is far better. But to stay with you on earth is more needful. You don't even have conversations like that unless you're walking with God. People don't talk about what's more needful for other people unless they're unselfish. And by the way, for every single child of God, it is far better to go to heaven. Come on. I would, I would submit to you that we spend the majority of our prayer time asking God to keep sick people that are saved from going to heaven. And very little time asking God to get lost people that are without him to be saved so they don't go to hell. I think you ought to pray for every sick person that you love to get well. But I also think you ought to pray for every lost person that you know to be saved. Because if the sick person doesn't get well here, they're going to get well there. If the lost person doesn't get saved here, he's going to die and go to hell. I'm telling you something. There's something off with our measurements. What is living to you? Doing what I want to do, going where I want to go, wearing what I want to wear, saying what I want to, is that what living is to you? What defines a bad day? 
Somebody cut you off, you got stuck in traffic. Somebody said something to you you don't like. Somebody treated you in a way that is way beneath you. Is that a bad day? Sure it is if your measurement's off. But living if, Je- if living is Jesus, then a bad day means I disgraced his name. A bad day means I didn't obey him like I should. A bad day means I went all day and never told anybody about the best thing that ever happened in my life. A bad day means I reacted in the flesh instead of reacting in the spirit. When, when living is Jesus, I don't measure my successes by what I get. I measure my successes by what I give to him. And dying? It's gain. One day I'm getting out of here. (laughs) By the way, Paul said dying is gain. I never find one place in scripture where he walked into a town and went, hey, I know Jesus and going to be with him is gain. So could you kill me, please? I'm not saying that just because you know you're going to heaven, you ought to put out on Facebook, I would like someone to kill me today. I'm not saying that dying is gain means you want to die, but dying is gain means you're not afraid to die because you know the moment you breathe the last breath here, you breathe the first breath there. And when you get to heaven, there's no more crying, no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more killing, no more tears terrorism no more politics I'm glad when we get to heaven we won't have to vote there's going to be somebody that's already on the throne it's a game Paul said I embrace that prospect I'm okay with it why because I've come to the conclusion in my life Christ Christ shall be magnified. What is it that you want out of this year? You want Jesus to get bigger or you want you to get bigger? I'm talking about your prestige, not your weight. We've all already mastered that. He must increase and I must decrease. It's true in more than one way. But I think sometimes we live driven about ourselves. And that's why we get upset about what we get upset about. And that's why we pour our lives into the things that don't matter. I mean, have your kids ever told you that school was too long? But they've never told you the video game was too long. Isn't it amazing while you're waiting on your spouse and you want her to hurry up? But if she were waiting on you, you want her to be patient. And vice versa. It's always too long while she's in the store. It's never too long while I'm watching the game. As a matter of fact, give me overtime. More for my money. You know why? What matters to us is what we're willing to invest in. Some people get mad about the preaching being too long, but they don't get mad about their favorite show or the movie. We didn't charge you to come here. They charge you to watch the movie. Huh? See, 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 when you love Jesus, you don't get mad when you spend more time with him. You get glad. If, if he looked like this, in my life last year. I want them to look like this this year. I I want them to look at me 
and see a bigger Jesus. Do you understand? To magnify doesn't mean the person actually becomes bigger. It means that what you do makes them look bigger. God's already big. Jesus big. I mean, there's nothing in the world bigger than him. Remember that little girl that asked the Sunday school teacher in class? If Jesus is so big, if God is so big, yes, yes, he is, little Susie. Well, if God is so big and he came to live in my heart and my heart is so small, I think he ought to stick out somewhere. I'm asking if Jesus is so big and he came to live in your life that's so small, please tell me how you manage for him not to stick out. Because it requires a positive mentality and a purposeful mindset. Jesus will not stick out if you go all the time. What in the world did you complain about this week that was a whole lot less worse than prison? Please tell me why the jail guy is talking about praise Jesus and our little piddly problems are just the worst thing that ever happened to us since slavery. Listen to me. Good night. You're going to heaven. I don't like life. You ain't going to be here long. Just put a little temporary tent up. Your permanent dwelling is under construction and there ain't going to be no upgrades in there that you go, I really wouldn't have preferred that paint because the builder is Jesus and it's going to be off the chain. Listen to me now. You can't get it better than God gives it to you. But we are so selfish and it's all about us. And I'm determined in my life in 2020, this is 2020 vision, Christ, Christ shall be magnified. You think we should say that together? You think so? Not just you and me, all of them too, right? It's my buddy, I'd be fine just me and him. But we'll let them join us. Let's say it together, come on. Christ shall be magnified. All the ladies, ladies, go ahead. All the men. You know why I do that? I love to hear the difference. Amen. Christ shall be magnified. <laughs> One of these days I'm going to go, ladies. <laughs> Men, Christ shall be magnified. And I'm going to go, I am out of here. <laughs> have I told you all this year that I love you? I have, haven't I? I'm telling you again, we got to work at this because we spent some days last year where we came out of them looking big and Jesus came out of them looking small and nobody was helped by that. Now let's have a vision in this year that no matter what happens, Jesus, our Savior, shall be magnified. Our Father, we bless your name. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. As the people of God, some have already come. I pray that you would stir all of our hearts. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. How many of you would say, Pastor, I know for sure if I were to die today that I'd go to heaven. I have Bible reasons to prove it. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. If you know that, would you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Put your hands down. 
Pastor God spoke to me. My, my life, regardless of what happens, I want it to magnify Christ this year. That's my 2020 vision. Would you raise your hand all over the building? Now, now doesn't that mean we're going to have to make some changes, doesn't it? Our mindset, our mentality, our motivation, our measurements. You're going you're to have to take some of those measurements you used in 2019 and toss them. Because they're not accurate. They're based on a worldly scale. And not on a spiritual one. What they call big is what Jesus calls small. And what Jesus calls small is what the world calls big. You can't use their metrics. You can't use their measurements. Otherwise, you're going to come out with the wrong product. One more question. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today. Please listen. That I'd go to hell. That I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. But I'm absolutely sure I do not want to go to hell. Let me ask the question one more time. I'm not sure if I died today that I'd go to heaven, but I'm absolutely sure I do not want to go to hell. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I'll not, I'll not call you. Next. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for being honest. God bless your honesty. You may put it down. Anyone else would join this honest one? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I am positive. I do not want to go to hell. Would you slip up your hand long enough for me to see it? Yes, God bless you. God bless you. you pointing somewhere there was another hand god bless you wherever you are god bless you stand up with you all over the building some many have already come if you if you need to come you come mind the lord and talk to him about it father would you bless this invitation time and move in our midst and do a great work like only you can we pray in jesus name amen you just enjoyed listening to christ shall be magnified a Bible message by Kenny Baldwin. Tune in tomorrow at the same time to hear more good Bible preaching. Also, visit wzyn.org to download this message and many more.